It is Friday, September 25th here at Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Week 3 FanDuel Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me again are Tyler Syracuse and Jared Smola. And this podcast is sponsored by our partners at Fanshare Sports. Fanshare curates hundreds of pieces of daily fantasy sports-related articles, tweets, and podcasts to create the most accurate ownership projections in the industry. Those projections can be found in the lineup generator on DraftSharks.com. And you can find up-to-date ownership info anytime at FanshareSports.com. Week two found Jared sweeping both staff contests. Jared, your Dak Prescott versus my Ben Roethlisberger was really the key difference here. Did you play this lineup anywhere else? No. I mean, to be completely honest, I don't I don't play on FanDuel outside of this little contest. So I wish I had because it was, it was a nice lineup, uh, you know. And you know, it was all, all guys we talked about. We should, we should give ourselves some props, I think. We kind of nailed – Last week, I think, you know, Dak Prescott, we talked about. Johnny Smith, we talked about. Aaron Jones, we talked about. So it was a, it was a good week for us. I was thinking I might just start playing uh, your lineup and Tyler's lineup in other tournaments. So that way, when I lose Don't jinx me. Don't jinx competitions, me. then I can at least make something off of it. Yeah, you're going to jinx me. <laughs> Tyler, any lineup decisions that you regret, or was it just a matter of bad TD luck for Lamar Jackson, Derrick Henry, Marquise Brown? So I actually had a really good week in both sides, uh, cash, FanDuel cash as well. Um, I mean, I had, yeah, I did have Lamar Jackson in cash. Um, I did have a, I mean, I cashed no problem in 50-50s and over 70% of my head-to-heads. And the only thing I was regretting was Lamar Jackson missing Hollywood Brown in the second quarter on a potential 21-yard touchdown pass because I had a GPP lineup with Prescott, Aaron Jones, Higby, Ridley, and uh, Marquise Brown was my one guy at 4 o'clock. And, I was about eight points away from first place in multiple uh, GPP, which I would have made probably like $150,000 if they connected on that pass. But it was a good week overall. We're going to focus on week three here and and forget about that. (laughs) That's it. We're on to Cincinnati. We'll all be back at it for week three. We will show you who we're playing against each other in round three of the Shark Duel in the free post for this podcast on DraftSharks.com come Saturday morning. For now, Jared, please get us started with a cash game QB. Yeah, I'm going all the way to the top with Russell Wilson at 8700 bucks. I mean, he comes in as the top dollars per projected point quarterback for us, despite that price tag. Um, you know, we, we all think Seattle, Dallas is going to be a shootout. Vegas agrees. Um, the Seahawks have the highest implied total on the week at 30.75 points. That's a huge implied total. You know, the, the, the key for Wilson so far, I mean, he's been, he's been, I think, the best quarterback in the NFL through two weeks. But the key is that the Seahawks are second in game script adjusted pass rate. You know, we've always wanted them to throw the ball more and at least through two games, they're throwing the ball more. And that's obviously been huge for Russell Wilson's fantasy value in this spot um, against a Dallas secondary. That's not great to begin with. They're likely going to be without their top cornerback, Jadobi Abuzie. Um, It would make a ton of sense for Seattle to keep passing the ball. And if they do, I think Russ will have a big one. Yeah. Three of the top four slots in our dollars per point rankings are eaten up by the, the slate's three most expensive quarterbacks on FanDuel. Tyler, who's your favorite here? I was shaking my head because we got the official news that George Kittle's ruled out for week three. Uh, but quarterback, I'm definitely going with Russell Wilson as well. Um, it's going to be a quarterback from that game. I'm going to use uh, either Prescott or Russ in cash on both sites, and then I'm going to be heavy on them in GPPs as well. I just think that game's really going to shoot out. I think there's going to be over 60 points in it. 
And if that's the case, then we're going to want uh, big exposures with the quarterbacks and the wide receivers in that game. It seems like Chris Carson and Zeke are going to fly under the radar. I really haven't considered them too much, but in a game with that many points, I'm, I'm starting to uh, consider rostering those guys as well. I want to throw Cam Newton into the cash mix as well. 7700 bucks. He's $700 in savings versus Kyler Murray, 800 versus Dak, 1000 versus Russell Wilson, and he's right in the same range with those guys in terms of upside. I mean, through two games, Cam is averaging 13 carries, 61 rushing yards per game. His career highs to this point are 8.7 carries per game, 47.1 yards per game. Both of those came in 2017. Obviously, both of the averages are coming down, but the Patriots are also clearly working to his strengths and letting him do cam things. And he threw for 397 yards at Seattle last week. Now he gets the Raiders who are not particularly good at anything yet on defense. So I believe in cam here. There's some, some salary savings. and I don't think you're really sacrificing upside versus the other top QBs. Yeah. I like cam for the thousand dollar savings that we talked about in the DraftKings podcast. He might be without a starting center this week, which is a slight concern, but uh, I'm not sure the Raiders can really take advantage of that. That'd be more of a concern if he weren't built like an NBA power forward as he's been compared to this week. Yep. Over on the GPP side, uh, Tyler, who's your favorite here? So I really just have four quarterbacks in my FanDuel player pool. It's Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, and Cam Newton. All of them offer rushing upside. We've all kind of talked about them. The only one we haven't talked about as far as Josh Allen, who's the fantasy quarterback number one on the season so far. Uh, the Bills have been the most pass-heavy team in the league. I know Stefan Diggs is going to have his hands full with um, Jalen Ramsey, but, but Josh Allen offers rushing upside, and he's still got John Brown and Cole Beasley to throw to, and you don't need to stack him up with anyone because he's always capable of rushing in a couple touchdowns himself. Yeah, and the Rams certainly should be a more challenging pass defense than the Jets or the Dolphins in the first two weeks, but it's not like – we know that they're a shutdown pass defense where we should worry about Josh Allen, even if it is, you know, a tougher matchup than he's faced so far. I do think we need to keep an eye on John Brown. He popped up on the injury report on Thursday with a foot issue. You know, if for some reason he can't play, I think that'd be a concern because then, you know, the Rams can really just focus on taking digs out of the game. For what it's worth, I think Dawson Knox is also already yeah. out, right? Yeah, he is. Yep. Uh, I particularly like Dak Prescott over here for the stacking options. Uh, I love the setup and the price for C.D. Lamb at 5600 this week, almost 100% out of the slot so far. Seattle just lost its primary slot defender, Marquise Blair, and Julian Edelman in that game caught eight balls for 179 yards at Seattle. So C.D. Lamb's an easy fit with Dak Prescott. I think the third Cowboy could be Zeke Elliott, Amari Cooper, or Michael Gallup. So the whole group, they're all going to be popular, but there are going to be fewer other lineups that have your particular three-player alignment. So I think that helps a little bit with the ownership question. Yeah, and I mean, Dak's not going to be low-owned. Um, Fanshare has him at 9.8%. But, you know, he, he's between Russ and Kyler, who are both projected to be higher-owned. So I, mean, I think that sort of helps the argument for Dak in tournaments. So I like Dak there. Um, I also like, like Carson Wentz at 7600 bucks and coming in at just 3% projected ownership. Um, I just think this is a good bounce back spot for the Eagles. You know, they've opened against pretty tough defenses in Washington and the Rams. Now they're at home for the Bengals. I don't think I can play Carson Wentz this week at $100 cheaper than Cam Newton. I mean, that's why it's a tournament play because I mean, he's going to be, you know, five times or five times, you know, less owned as Cam. All right, let's play that in the same tournament. You're on. <laughs> okay. Running back for cash, Tyler, who are you on? So the trio of running backs on FanDuel is definitely going to be Miles Sanders, Kenyon Drake, and Jonathan Taylor for me. Uh, I love Singletary as well, but I think Drake has a better chance at a touchdown. So so Drake's going to get the nod there at just $600 more. Miles Sanders is just too cheap, 
uh, cheap at 7.4 thousand. And then Jonathan Taylor uh, has the most ridiculous price on FanDuel at just 6.7 thousand going up against the Jets. So, so that trio is going to be uh, in all my cash game lineups on FanDuel. Yep, I think I'm with you there. Um, I agree on Singletary. I think, you know, he, you play him on DraftKings with the full PPR and where, you know, touchdowns aren't quite as important, I think, over here on FanDuel. Um, you know, he, he's a fine value in his own right, but I think those three guys you mentioned are better cash bets. Yeah, Miles Sanders is the one in particular I have down at 7,400. 20 carries, seven targets last week in his first game back from the hamstring injury. The Eagles should lean on him again. That can help guard against Carson Wentz, who has not been very good for at least the past game and a half. He was good for the first half of that game at Washington. Um, not since then. The Bengals linebackers are trash, so it's a nice matchup for Miles Sanders, and it should be a good spot for scoring opportunities. Uh, Jared, do you have another particular favorite on at running back? Um, I got a tournament running back for you, James Conner at 7100 bucks, um, Coming in at just 9% projected ownership. I, mean, I, I think the Steelers passing game will be more popular, um, Deontay Johnson especially, but you know, we saw James Conner get back to the role that you know we, we thought he was going to be in this season, he played 77% of the Steelers' offensive snaps, 18 opportunities compared to just four for Benny Snell. And Benny Snell lost that fumble in the fourth quarter and didn't touch the ball the rest of the way. So I wouldn't be surprised if Connor plays an even you know, bigger percentage of the snaps this week. Um, he's at home, home favorite against the Texans. Um, Houston has allowed 6.3 yards per carry to running back so far. So it's a good individual matchup for Connor too. Yeah, the big night to Clyde edwards Lair in week one, 176 combined rushing yards to the Ravens trio of running backs last week. So I agree the matchup's very nice. Tyler, what do you like at running back? I think we've already mentioned my running back player pool pretty much. The only one that we haven't talked about is Derrick Henry at 2000 going up against the Vikings. They have a major um, advantage on the offensive line versus that Vikings defensive line. Honestly, the Vikings look like one of the worst teams in football besides the Jets. With Derrick Henry burning everyone last week, I don't know who's going to go back to him this week. I mean, he burns me as well, so it, it still pains me to click his name this week, but I think he'll be rostering some of, some of uh, Henry this week. Tyler, do you find yourself, as a fairly experienced DFS player at this point, do you find yourself still having some of that recency bias where you do have trouble playing guys who burned you the week before, or have you learned to work past it? Uh, a lot of times I have no problem going back to them. Uh, the way I think about it is if they burned me last week, they can't do it again. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's the right way to think about it, because sometimes they could definitely have multiple bad games in a row, but I just think Derek Henry locked in for for 25 25 plus touches and and uh you know I've, I've looked at the stats where his yards per carry is much worse in the first couple months of the season it doesn't make sense for me um but it's just something weird about his career that he always runs for like less than four yards per carry the first month and then he gradually gets stronger and stronger as the year goes on so we'll be looking to see if he could break that trend in week three here against the vikings yeah, and then watch out in December. Nick Chubb, is there something that I'm missing on him? Did he, like, lose one of his ankles this week? Because he's basically projected for absolutely no ownership right now, even here, and his price is not high, and they're in a game where they're favored by 7.5 points. It should be Chubb-friendly game script. Washington... I get that they're a good defensive line. I guess maybe people are scared of that, but Football Outsiders also has them just 21st and run defense DVOA so far. You know, again, it's two games, so maybe that proves to just not be true and they're better than that. But, I mean, Nick Chubb is a really good running back in a game that should favor his usage. I'm definitely going to be using him here. 
I think he's a perfect tournament play. I mean, there's nothing wrong with his spot or his price. It's just people are more likely to play Miles Sanders, Jonathan Taylor, Kenny Drake, and there is, there's only three running back spots that so people just can't get to Nick Chubb. Yeah, it's funny because I'm looking through the uh, fan share ownership projections, and, and right now we have them at 0.1%. <laughs> I mean, I get if – if he were at like 4%, I'd be like, okay, that makes sense to me. But zero, I was like, I better do a quick news search just to make sure that Nick Chubb didn't get COVID yesterday. <laughs> right. All right, wide receiver on the cash side, Tyler, who are you playing? Yeah, we talked about it a lot already. I'm definitely going to use Tyler Lockett, uh, DK Metcalf, CD Lamb, and Amari Cooper, some combination of those three guys. I think for their price, they offer a tremendous floor-ceiling combination, and I'm going to be using the quarterback. So I'm just all in on that game in general, kind of like how Jared was all in on the Cowboys offense last week, and then he kind of pulled Prescott out at the last second. But I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm all in on that game. If there's over 60 points, chances are I'm going to make money this week. So so I'm just going to be rostering those guys all over. Yep, I'm with you. I'm going to have a Cowboys receiver and a Seahawks receiver in my FanDuel lineup. Um, I'm leaning CeeDee Lamb over Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. Um, you know, Lamb at 5,600 bucks. He's in the slot, which has been the spot to attack the Seahawks' pass defense so far. And then at wide receiver, I'm going to lean, you know, on DraftKings, I said, you know, I think Lockett's the play. I think it's Metcalf on FanDuel. You know, you get the $300 savings, which, you know, might help. Um, but I do think Metcalf is the better touchdown bet. He's also going to benefit more, too, from uh, Chidobe Awuzie's likely absence. You know, Awuzie is an outside corner, so Metcalf's going to be running against whoever the backup is there. Yeah, I agree with C.D. Lamb as the favorite, 5600 bucks. whether I'm playing Dak Prescott or not. And even if I'm playing Zeke Elliott in a cash game lineup, it's just too good a price for his usage so far. 15 targets, 11 catches through two games. And I mentioned on the DraftKings show, but uh, the matchup is great. Seattle's lost its primary slot defender. Julian Edelman had a big game last week. You mentioned it, it, it was a, a spot where Russell Gage produced in week one as well. Of course, all of the Falcons receivers produced in that game. So there's not a scary matchup in the Seattle secondary right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas comes out particularly challenging that slot to see if um, Seattle can make up for it. And beyond that Seattle, if they need to help their new slot defender, they might have to do so by keeping Jamal Adams out of pass rushing a bit more, which would then help Dallas's offense as well. So I would not be surprised to see Dallas targeting that specific area right away in this game. And of course, you know, the game has the highest over under for the week. So any plays from that game are going to be guys that we like to put in our lineups Tyler, who do you like on the tournament side for wideout? So looking through the draft sharks um, model here, it's funny because four of the top five options are all in that Cowboy Seahawks game. But one guy who sits at the top of the model is Darius Slayton, coming in at fifty five hundred and a projected ownership of nineteen percent. I think that's a pretty easy fade for me. Uh, I'd rather play Deshaun Jackson at the same price. I think Djax is ready to break out in a big way this week. He saw he's seen uh, a lot of targets. Uh, nine targets last week, and he leads the team in air yards going up against a, a terrible um, Bengals secondary. And then I just have a feeling on Marvin Jones this week. Um, I don't have too much data to support this pick, but with Kenny Galladay uh, possibly back in the lineup and Patrick Peterson locking on him, I think Marvin Jones can get behind the defense for a couple big plays this week, and he's coming in at very low ownership. So 
I'll, I'll be looking to sprinkle in some Marvin Jones in my GPP lineups. I, I think Marvin Jones Jr. Um, defies the data. You just play him and then you close your eyes and see what the numbers say afterward. I agree with you totally on the Deshaun Jackson versus Darius Slayton. I like Slayton's upside this week and I like his price, but if he's going to be that popular, then I'm fading him because Deshaun Jackson is Darius Slayton with a better quarterback, a better matchup, and a better ownership projection. Jalen Rager's injury leaves targets available beyond the 16 that Deshaun Jackson got through the first two weeks. And frankly, I'd rather just bet on Deshaun Jackson here and not have to bet on a Carson Wentz bounce back, bounce back in my lineup. Well, hey, DJX can't go off unless Wentz bounces back a little. So, Yeah, but Carson Wentz can be fine. He can have like yeah. 280 and two touchdowns, sure. and I can actually have a good quarterback, and Deshaun Jackson would be my, my backdoor bet on Carson Wentz being good this week. That's fair. Um, yeah, I was surprised to see the Slayton ownership. I was ready to, you know, use him in tournaments, talk about him here, but at 19%, I think he's a definite fade. Um, I love Deshaun Jackson. Love T.Y. Hilton, too, in tournaments, 6,200 bucks on FanDuel. You know, he's, he's been disappointing so far, um, but, you know, he's in a good spot this week at home versus a really bad shot secondary. Paris Campbell's out for the Colts, so that could mean more targets for T.Y. Hilton, and he's coming in at just 4% projected ownership. I'll start the cash tight ends with another backdoor bet on Carson Wentz bouncing back, and it's Dallas Goddard at 5,200 bucks. He's beaten Zach Ertz in targets in each game so far. He still checks in $1,000 cheaper than Ertz in FanDuel salary, and he should have added a long catch last week. Goddard should have. Uh, he had beaten his man in coverage, and Wentz just threw behind him and missed the play. So I think there's room for both tight ends this week. I don't, ha- I don't think you have to say – Goddard's going to be better than Zach Ertz to like him this week. I, I just think the thousand dollar difference in salary makes him the play. Yeah, I agree. Goddard's my cash play on FanDuel here. You know, it, the the prices are much closer on DraftKings, so I prefer Ertz there. But with the thousand dollar difference here, I think it's got to be Goddard. I mean, their their usage has been very similar. You know, Zach Ertz has run ten more pass routes than Dallas Goddard, but Goddard still ranks eighth among all tight ends in pass routes. Goddard has out targeted Zach Ertz so far, seventeen to fourteen. Um, only two tight ends have more. Uh, targets than, than Dallas Goddard. So there, there's room, especially with Jalen Rager out for, you know, Goddard and Ertz to both continue getting, you know, like top 10 tight end usage. Tyler, where are you looking for cash tight ends? I honestly hadn't even considered Goddard. So I'm going to have to dig into that one. I was considering between John or Smith at 5,600 and then uh, Logan Thomas at 4.9 K. Uh, we've already talked about the role of Thomas. It's, it's very good for his price. And I know he's in a pretty bad offense, but Cleveland's given up the most points to uh, tight ends through two weeks. So I think Thomas is a sneaky uh, play in both cash and GPPs. It's just whether or not you need the savings or not. Uh, as for tournaments, I'm, I'm looking at Zach Ertz. Um, I'm looking at Tyler Higby. Um, the one thing I'm going to pay attention to there is if uh, Matt Milano and um, Tremaine Edmonds get ruled out for Buffalo. Um, typically, Buffalo has a very good uh, tight end defense. But with the two linebackers out last week, it was Mike Kosicki who had a huge day against them. So I'm going to pay attention to that injury report. And if both of them miss again, I know Milano was ranked PFF's number three uh, pass coverage um, linebacker last season. So if he misses, I'm, I'm definitely going to look to some some Higby uh, and hope he has another multi-touchdown game in him. You know, I remember I remember last week we were sitting on this podcast and you said you hadn't considered Johnny Smith yet. And me and Matt were talking him up and then he did what he did. So hopefully we get similar production from Dallas Goddard this week. Yeah, we found the formula. Jared and I need to find the tight end that Tyler hasn't looked at yet. And that, that's going to be the guy. <laughs> got, her, got her this week. <laughs> 
Um, for what it's worth, Matt Milano put in limited practices both Wednesday and Thursday. I haven't seen about his Friday participation yet. So he's trending in the right direction from the hamstring injury from last week. I do think he'll be key. Jordan Poyer, I think, also factors into tight end coverage there. And I mean, for what it's worth, Mike Tosicki is definitely more wide receiver than tight end. So I think it's you know, it's still quite possible that even without Milano, Buffalo is a little tougher on tight ends. You know, there's room for Higby, though, as he showed last week against Philly. I think there are options all over the place at tight end this week. I'm going to be more likely to focus my building elsewhere and then see which tight end fits what I'm doing. At the low end, I, I will also throw in Drew Sample and Eric Ebron at 4,700 and 4,800, respectively. Good matchups for both of those guys. And I think that they're both in high upside volume positions as well. Eric Ebron less so for target volume, but we also know that Eric Ebron can be a red zone option when his team allows him to be. And I could see Pittsburgh scoring plenty of points in that game against Houston. George Kittle was going to be a focal point. As you mentioned at the top of the show, Tyler, we found out that he's been ruled out. Anybody giving Jordan Reed a look at all now? I laughed at you guys for uh, talking him up last week. He's he's 5,300. So, I mean, I'm not going to play him over Dallas Goddard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he just didn't run enough pass routes for me last week. And with the coaching comments, you know, talking about how they want to keep him around 15 to 20 routes and, and limit his snaps, I don't think he's an option at that price. I agree with that. I think Logan Thomas and Noah Fant, both with ownership projections over 10%, are possible fades with all of the options available at various prices here. Uh, what do you think, Jared? Um, yeah, I don't think either of those guys will be in my player pool. I like Hunter Henry for tournaments on FanDuel. Um, he, he's off to a really good start this season. He he just hasn't scored yet, so it's kind of flying under the radar. But um, he's run a pass route on 85% of the dropbacks. That's a really strong number. He has eight targets in both games so far, you know, one with Tyrod Taylor, one with Justin Herbert. Uh, he had five catches for 73 yards in the opener, six catches for 83 yards in week two. You know, if he if he does that and then scores a touchdown, you know, that, that's a huge week. And this is a guy who, you know, has scored plenty throughout his career, 12.5% um, touchdown rate for Hunter Henry. And the Chargers have a 25 point implied total this week. You know, I mean, I know they want to run the ball as much as possible, but they're, they're going to throw, you know, 25 plus times here. So there's room for uh, some of these pass catchers to have nice games. The only other guy I meant, wanted to mention was Evan Ingram at 5,900. I've never been an Ingram guy in the past, but he's coming in at just 2% projected ownership. And if his teammate Slayton is projected for 10 times the amount of ownership, I think we can easily put Ingram in in a few lineups and just hope the targets go his way instead of uh, Golden Tate and, and Darius Slayton. Yeah, I mean, he was already a good target bet, and now Saquon Barkley and Sterling Shepard out. You know, Ingram is, you know, one of the best target bets on this slate. Yeah, I agree with the small um, tournament exposure to Ingram. He does face a tougher matchup with Fred Warner. For, for the Niners defense than the guys, than the wideouts do in that matchup. But I mean, if Evan Ingram gets 10 to 12 targets, he can have an inefficient day and still deliver for us. Um, at underscore Cerebrox from Twitter throws out TJ Hawkinson against Arizona this week. I would be more excited about him if he had been getting more targets so far. I, I certainly think TJ Hawkinson's an option, but I can't get excited right now after he saw just nine targets through the first two games. Yeah, he, he's sort of been outproducing his usage, you know, as far as targets and pass routes, and that was without Kenny Galladay. So that's a bit worrisome. I also think, you know, Arizona isn't – I don't think it's a tight end matchup it was last year. And we'll, we'll see how good they actually are against tight ends, but, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not what it was last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, most matchups are not going to be. Right. Over at Flex, Tyler, where's your focus? So it's going to be one of those running backs that we mentioned about earlier between Derrick Henry, Miles Sanders, James Conner, Jonathan Taylor, Kenyon Drake, and Devin Singletary. It's going to be mainly one of those guys. 
if I'm not using one of those guys, I think I'm going to have a bunch of lineups with four wide receivers from that Cowboy Seahawks game. We talked about them a lot with Mari Cooper, CD Lamb, um, Metcalf, and that's going to be my, my flex uh, positions this week. I don't think I'm going to have any double tight end stacks this week. Jared, what you got? I like Austin Eckler as a consideration for tournaments. I know like he's like the exact opposite type of guy you think you'd want to play on FanDuel because you know he, he does – Usually catch a bunch of passes. He hasn't been getting goal line work, but I just think at 7,500 bucks um, at low ownership, and, and he's gotten what 16 and 19 carries in his first two games. So like anything he does in the passing game is just a bonus. If you're going to give me, you know, 16 to 20 carries um, in a home game against the Panthers, I think that guy has a pretty high ceiling. Yeah, of course, the risk there is the lack of goal line touches with Joshua Kelly taking some of those away from him. Uh, I was just trying to check Joshua Kelly's price. Do you guys know offhand? 5900 I have him written down as an option. Yeah, so that's a good price for him. I'll be curious to see Josh Kelly's projected ownership over the weekend because I could see it spiking. Uh, a couple guys that I have down are Kenyon Drake at 6500 James Conner at 7100 I think that we should see guaranteed usage for James Conner at this point. It was certainly iffy heading into last week, but I mean, the way that he was used and the production he gave us on that usage should keep James Conner in the same kind of backfield controlling position that he was in week two. Pittsburgh has been saying all summer that they want to have a dominant lead back and it looks like James Conner and he's, when he's healthy, he's ready to be that guy. And the matchup is certainly good against Houston. They've given up a lot of rushing, as you mentioned earlier in this podcast. On the GPP side, I'll mention David Montgomery, Jared. I scoffed at him last week and he worked out 127 total yards and a touchdown against the Giants. He's still just 6,100 bucks. He's got a better matchup this week against the Falcons who are likely missing both defensive end starters. We'll see as we get the uh, inactives coming out or the, the injuries coming out later today, but it's already a weak defense. They also are dealing with injuries at every level. I think the one risk against Montgomery is if the Falcons jump out to a lead on offense here, you know, we'll see what happens there. Obviously, there's always that kind of risk when we're talking about Montgomery, but I'm less worried about his target outlook over here. And he's projected for only around 5% ownership on FanDuel. Yeah, he just he just looks uh, quicker and a bit faster this year than he did as a rookie last year. So um, I think he's a guy who might be looking to play quite a bit this season. I do agree. I think he's not a cash player just because, you know, they are road underdogs and he's going to lose some passing down steps to Tariq Cohen if they fall behind. But I think Montgomery definitely makes sense in tournaments again. Tyler, who are you looking at on defense? So defense, uh, it's definitely going to be Tampa and Cash for me. Their price makes no sense at 3800 um, as a touchdown favorite going up against a Jeff Driscoll-led Broncos offense, missing Philip Lindsay, missing Cortland Sutton. I mean, he's an aggressive guy, so Tampa should be able to tee off against him. Uh, I really like their chances for multiple sacks and multiple turnovers, so they'll probably be the chalk defense at just 3800 uh, I do like Cleveland at just $100 more in GPPs. Uh, they should be able to get after Dwayne Haskins. Um, Washington, or, yeah, Washington's best offensive lineman uh, got injured last week, and he's not going to play. So Miles Garrett should have his, his way against anyone on that offensive line. And then if I'm looking to pay up, it's going to be Pittsburgh at $4,700. they have led the NFL in sacks for three seasons in a row, and they're going up against a terrible uh, Texans offensive line. And we all know Deshaun Watson holds the ball too long and he's uh, prone to sacks and fumbles and, and sometimes he'll even throw a couple interceptions. Yeah, bucks for me for cash. Yeah, they're, you know, 500 plus dollars underpriced. Just a good defense. You know, they're fourth in football outsiders, defensive DVOA. Um, the bucks are also sixth so far in adjusted sack rate. 
and the Broncos O-line is 26th in adjusted sack rate allowed. So it looks like a, you know, D-line O-line mismatch there. Yeah, I certainly agree with the Bucs uh, cross formats here. I'll be curious to see the ownership projection heading into Sunday because it's low right now, but that could certainly increase quite a bit. Um, I definitely agree with trying to go up to Pittsburgh as well. I'd also consider Indy at 100 bucks more than Pittsburgh. They get the Jets. The Colts lead the league so far at 15.2% of opponent pass attempts ending in sacks. They get a Jets team that's already bad and is probably going to be without its center, its right tackle. Even left tackle Makai Becton is dealing with a shoulder injury, so there's even more upside there. They're missing Le'Veon Bell. They're missing their top three receivers. I mean, it, there's shutout potential to this one. So I think the Colts could just be the far and away best defense by the end of the weekend. Yep, I could see it. That's going to do it for this week three FanDuel podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to get cash game recommendations from Kevin, to get tournament recommendations from Tyler, who will also present his favorite stacking options for the week. Check out the lineup generator to build your own lineups with the help of the DS projections, fan share ownership projections, and imported player salaries. And come Saturday morning, we will show you who we're playing against each other in round three of the Shark Duel. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. Tyler is at Tyler Syracuse. That's Syracuse with an I. And I am at ShaufDS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola, Tyler Syracuse, and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Shaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.